Chapters forty to forty three of Tristram Shandy, Volume three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Life and Opinions of Tristram Shandy, Gentleman, Volume three, by Lawrence Stern. Chapter forty. The city of Limerick, the siege of which was begun under His Majesty King William himself the year after i went into the army lies and please your honours in the middle of a devilish wet swampy country tis quite surrounded said my uncle toby with the shannon and is by its situation one of the strongest fortified places in ireland i think this is a new fashion quoth dr slop of beginning a medical lecture tis all true answered trim then i wish the faculty would follow the cut of it said yorick tis all cut through and please your reverence said the corporal with drains and bogs and besides there was such a quantity of rain fell during the siege the whole country was like a puddle twas that and nothing else which brought on the flux and which had like to have killed both his honour and myself now there was no such thing after the first ten days continued the corporal for a soldier to lie dry in his tent without cutting a ditch round it to draw off the water nor was that enough for those who could afford it as his honour could without setting fire every night to a pewter dish full of brandy which took off the damp of the air and made the inside of the tent as warm as a stove and what conclusion dost thou draw corporal trim cried my father from all these premises i infer and please your worship replied trim that the radical moisture is nothing in the world but ditch water and that the radical heat of those who can go to the expense of it is burnt brandy the radical heat and moisture of a private man and please your honour is nothing but ditch water and a dram of geneva and give us but enough of it with a pipe of tobacco to give us spirits and drive away the vapours we know not what it is to fear death i am at a loss captain shandy quoth dr slop to determine in which branch of learning your servant shines most whether in physiology or divinity slop had not forgot trim's comment upon the sermon it is but an hour ago replied yorick since the corporal was examined in the latter and passed muster with great honour the radical heat and moisture quoth dr slop turning to my father you must know is the basis and foundation of our being as the root of a tree is the source and principle of its vegetation it is inherent in the seeds of all animals and may be preserved sundry ways but principally in my opinion by consubstantials implements and occludents now this poor fellow continued dr slop pointing to the corporal has had the misfortune to have heard some superficial empiric discourse upon this nice point that he has said my father very likely said my uncle i'm sure of it quoth yorick chapter forty one dr slop being called out to look at a cataplasm he had ordered it gave my father an opportunity of going on with another chapter in the tristropedia come cheer up my lads i'll show you land for when we have tugged through that chapter the book shall not be opened again this twelvemonth huzza 
Chapter forty two Five years with a bib under his chin, four years in travelling from Christ Cross Row to Malachi, a year and a half in learning to write his own name, seven long years and more, tuptoeing it at Greek and Latin, four years at his probations and his negations, the fine statue still lying in the middle of the marble block, and nothing done but his tools sharpened to hew it out. Tis a piteous delay. Was not the great Julius Scaliger within an ace of never getting his tools sharpened at all? Forty-four years old was he before he could manage his Greek, and Peter Damianus, Lord Bishop of Ostia, as all the world knows, could not so much as read when he was of man's estate, and Baldus himself, as eminent as he turned out after, entered upon the law so late in life that everybody imagined he intended to be an advocate in the other world no wonder when eudomatus the son of archidamus heard xenocrates at seventy-five disputing about wisdom that he asked gravely if the old man be yet disputing and inquiring concerning wisdom what time will he have to make use of it yorick listened to my father with great attention there was a seasoning of wisdom unaccountably mixed up with his strangest whims and he had sometimes such illuminations in the darkest of his eclipses as almost atoned for them be wary sir when you imitate him i am convinced yorick continued my father half reading and half discoursing that there is a northwest passage to the intellectual world and that the soul of man has shorter ways of going to work in furnishing itself with knowledge and instruction than we generally take with it but alack all fields have not a river or a spring running besides them every child yorick has not a parent to point it out the whole entirely depends added my father in a low voice upon the auxiliary verbs mr yorick had yorick trod upon virgil's snake he could not have looked more surprised i am surprised too cried my father observing it and i reckon it as one of the greatest calamities which ever befell the republic of letters that those who have been entrusted with the education of our children and whose business it was to open their minds and stock them early with ideas in order to set the imagination loose upon them have made so little use of the auxiliary verbs in doing it as they have done so that except raymond lullius and the elder pellegrini the last of which arrived to such perfection in the use of em with his topics that in a few lessons he could teach a young gentleman to discourse with plausibility upon any subject pro and con and to say and write all that could be spoken or written concerning it without blotting a word to the admiration of all who beheld him i should be glad said yorick interrupting my father to be made to comprehend this matter you shall said my father the highest stretch of improvement a single word is capable of is a high metaphor for which in my opinion the idea is generally the worse and not the better but be that as it may when the mind has done that with it there is an end the mind and the idea are at rest until a second idea enters and so on 
Now the use of the auxiliaries is at once to set the soul a-going by herself upon the materials as they are brought her, and by the versability of this great engine round which they are twisted to open new tracts of inquiry and make every idea engender millions you excite my curiosity greatly said yorick for my own part quoth my uncle toby i have given it up the danes and please your honour quoth the corporal who were on the left at the siege of limerick were all auxiliaries and very good ones said my uncle toby but the auxiliaries trim my brother is talking about i conceive to be different things you do said my father rising up chapter forty three my father took a single turn across the room then sat down and finished the chapter the verbs auxiliary we are concerned in here continued my father are am was have had do did make made suffer shall should will would can could owe ought used or is wont and these varied with tenses present past and future and conjugated with the verb see or with these questions added to them is it was it will it be would it be may it be might it be and these again put negatively is it not was it not ought it not or affirmatively it is it was it ought to be or chronologically has it been always lately how long ago or hypothetically if it was if it was not what would follow if the french should beat the english if the sun should go out of the zodiac now by the right use and application of these continued my father in which a child's memory should be exercised there is no one idea can enter his brain how barren soever but a magazine of conceptions and conclusions may be drawn forth from it didst thou ever see a white bear cried my father turning his head round to trim who stood at the back of his chair no and please your honour replied the corporal but thou couldst discourse about one trim said my father in case of need how is it possible brother quoth my uncle toby if the corporal never saw one tis the fact i want replied my father and the possibility of it is as follows a white bear very well have i ever seen one might i ever have seen one am i ever to see one ought i ever to have seen one or can i ever see one would i had seen a white bear for how can i imagine it if i should see a white bear what should i say if i should never see a white bear what then if i never have can must or shall see a white bear alive have i ever seen the skin of one did i ever see one painted described have i never dreamed of one did my father mother uncle aunt brothers or sisters ever see a white bear what would they give how would they behave how would the white bear have behaved is he wild tame terrible rough smooth is the white bear worth seeing is there no sin in it is it better than a black one End of chapters forty to forty three